Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. Would you please stand and honor and welcome all the way from New England, Pastors Jonathan and Verna Del Turco. Amen. You may be seated. It is a joy to be here with you. Um, as he said, we are from New England. I born and raised in Boston, so you will hear that as I speak. Um, but just an absolute joy to be here. In your words, just precious, yeah, just precious you. to us, pastors. Just, just precious to us. We love them and their family, and uh, we're trusting you to take really good care of them. Hope Church, Hope Church, I love the name. If there's anything this world needs today is hope. And hope is not a small baby sissy word. It's a powerful word yes, in the it scriptures. It means living life with earnest expectation, earnest expectation. And even when you come to church, that you're sitting on the edge of your seats with earnest expectation of what's going to happen in worship. What a beautiful, beautiful ministry you presented to these people this morning. Powerful. And earnest expectation as to what God is going to say to you today. Great way to live with earnest expectation. And all of you here represent the Lord and his hope to a dying, lost humanity. And uh, we're just blessed to be here. There's so much I can say, but I won't. I'll leave it to the main man here. And uh, just to say that we're looking forward to getting to know all of you. I'm sorry I'm staring at you, but I want your faces to be imprinted in my heart forever. The body of Christ is wonderful. I'm known for crying. It's okay. I'd rather have a real sensitive heart than a hard heart. I would say hard heart, but I didn't think you'd understand what I was So I really tried. My lip was cramping a little bit trying to say those R's, but... Love you. God bless you. And we are looking forward to a wonderful relationship. Until Jesus comes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, honey. I get to go home with her. 46 years coming at June 5th. Right? Isn't that awesome? And um, we, two children, five grandchildren. Uh, we're blessed. We really are. And I've, I've got to tell you that we, we have been so looking forward to this. It has been a long time since we've been trying to plan this. Total frustration with everything this world getting in our way, and uh, we are honored to be here. Uh, I, I have the privilege of pastoring pastors. I have the privilege of, of uh, going to a lot of churches, nationally, internationally, and as I said to the leadership team yesterday as we were ministering to them, what a great group. Um, you have two of the best right here, and I don't say that because I'm getting paid to say that. I'm not, I don't say that because it's just the right thing. It's a pastoral thing to do. I mean it with all my heart. 
Um, these, this couple and their family, they're quality. They really are. Um, I've been looking forward to coming to, to spend time with them. They've come to Boston. Uh, we're six miles north of Boston, about 20 minutes south of the New Hampshire border. And they've come to us. We've been looking forward to come to, to you. Boone is beautiful. Oh, my goodness, the drive from Charlotte was just amazing. Uh, they took us around breathing, breathing rock, blowing rock. I keep saying breathing rock. I don't know why. Blowing rock. See, you're laughing at me already. Um, blowing rock. Uh, I'm a rookie, so stay with me here. At least I say Appala Appalachian, right? I, I don't say it that wrong way, so. He taught me that too, so. Um, and beautiful area. I can see why um, you, they love it here so much. And one of the beautiful things that we're here today is not only to spend time with your pastors. We want to spend time with you. We want to get to know you. We want you to get to know us. We want you to know that your pastor and I talk on a regular basis. This man is accountable. Uh, he has a covering. It's not just words. Um, he asks me tough questions. I give him tough answers. Um, we work together. You, you, you are blessed. A lot of pastors have no covering. A lot of pastors are loners. Your pastors are not. And uh, I just believe it's important for you to meet us to know you're secure, right? You, you've got... You've got, you've got an awesome responsibility as you pray and support your leadership, your pastors and your leadership team, and uh, we come alongside of you to pray for you. We pray for you on a regular basis. We're believing God with you. Uh, we're standing with you, um, and uh, the, the presence of God is in this place. My goodness, if you, if you didn't feel the presence of God with, with, with that praise and worship, we got to check your pulse. We got to just lay hands on you suddenly. Um, and, and help you because that was wonderful. It was just the perfect songs to sing that stirred my heart and really provided a platform uh, for the presence of God uh, and what God wants to say today. You know, part of my responsibility, you know, I'm not a frustrated evangelist. I'm a pastor. So I come to you not as anything else but a pastor. I'm going to do what I do, what I do. I'm going to do what my gift is. I'm going to pastor you this morning. I know you have a pastor. You have a great pastor. But that's what I do. I pastor. That's what I do. I, I, I love to be with the sheep. I love challenging the sheep. Part of my responsibility is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So I don't know which one you are today. <laughs> but, but get ready uh, because I believe the Spirit of God wants to challenge you. I'm not here to... Your pastor preaches the word. He preaches a wonderful word. So I'm not here necessarily to give you what a, a, a typical pastor might give you. I'm here to challenge you today, challenge you as a church, pour into you and pour into your foundation as a church, um, and to help you take that next step, take that next step. Uh, let's pray. Let's believe God together. Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity I have to minister God's word today. What a privilege, Father God, to finally connect with Hope Church, to finally connect with these precious people. To finally make the full cycle, Father God, to, to meet pastors and then to, to be together with their congregation, their leaders, their family. How sweet it is. How wonderful it is. It brings us great joy. I can imagine it must bring you great joy, Lord, to, to realize how wonderful and how big and beautiful, solid and strong the body of Christ is. Father, I thank you for your word that's about to come forth today. I believe it comes forth with clarity, with accuracy, and simplicity so we can immediately apply it to our lives. Father, you know exactly what's going on in the hearts of your people. 
I don't. You know exactly what's happening in their lives, their family, their marriages. You know exactly what's going on in their soul. You know the challenges. You know the victories. You know what they're believing for. And I ask you, Father God, to help me by your Spirit to minister into the need of their lives today and to help them, Lord, to make that giant step forward in you, Lord God, that they can they can experience the fullness of God in their lives, to truly see how you see them and how their lives can be totally changed radically for your honor and for your glory. I bless Hope Church today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, there are seasons in a church um, that are very defining, defining moments. We talked a little bit about that yesterday, uh, defining moments of a church. The momentum is really high right now. Um, there's excellence in this place. This is a beautiful building that you get to worship in. I believe that there's, there's opportunities. We, we go to churches, and oftentimes we go, and we, we realize we're there to throw out a lifeline because things are not good. Things are not healthy. We go to other churches, and we sense the health of that church. This is a healthy church. Um, doesn't mean there's not things you're working on. Doesn't mean there's not things that you could do better. But overall, this is a healthy church. Momentum is high. Um, over the last couple of years, your pastors have grown. Um, their leadership has grown. And I believe this is a very important moment that as we as churches, church and individuals, are, are, I believe there's a decision to be made. Are we going to stay the same? Or are we going to have the courage to make some choices and some decisions to take what we do as individuals and take what we do as a church and take it to the next level? You know, no matter where you are, as wonderful as that level is, how many know there's a better one? No matter what depth you are in Christ, no matter what depth you are in God, how many know there's a deeper place? How many know that there's, a, there's always a, a healthier place? There's always something God wants to do more of. And I believe this church is at a crossroad. I really do. And I believe it's going to take some courage uh, to step into the place that God has for you, to step into that place. I mean, if we lived near Boone, let me tell you something. We'd be at this church. I mean, this is, this is an awesome church. It really is. So this morning, in a few minutes that I have, I want to talk to you about being exceptional versus ordinary. Being exceptional versus ordinary. Because what I know about your pastors is they are exceptional. They're not ordinary. I heard John Mason say this years ago. You might have heard this phrase. We are all born original originals, but most of us die copies. Have you ever heard that? We, we are all born originals, but most of us die copies. What's the deal? Why is that? Honestly, it's a lot easier to be a copy. It's a lot easier to blend in. It's a lot easier to act and, and think like everybody else does. We're all born originals. And what happens? Life happens. Drama happens. Issues happen. Difficulty happens, right? Financial challenges, family challenges, uh, physical challenges, things in the past, mistakes, shame, guilt happens. And what happens? It takes the edge off the original a little bit more all the time. And we have to fight being a copy. We have to fight like being everybody else. We have to fight like being like every other church. We have to fight like being in, you know, it's just it's, it's the southern thing to do to go to church. New England, we don't have that happen. Uh, it's a whole lot more liberal and crazier um, and so forth. But, but Vern and I have learned that one of the greatest breakthroughs in our life 
and ministry came when God took us out of a very small, closed-minded world and exposed us to a bigger one. I've had the privilege of growing up in a pastor's home. Both my grandfathers were Pentecostal holiness preachers, and, and uh, my father, you know, pastored several different churches, and um, of course, one in Niagara Falls, New York, um, uh, where Josh went to school, right? Uh, a school my dad built, um, pretty small world. And so, um, but, but I was brought up in this wonderful Pentecostal environment, and, and there's so much about my roots that I love and I value, but the smallness and the closed-minded aspect of it, uh, I needed to be, I needed exposure. I needed exposure not just to any old thing, but exposure to God's big, grand, wonderful plan for my life. Amen? And that exposure had a profound impact on us, and that exposure actually became the very DNA that established International Family Church to this day. One of the keys to exceptional is exposure. In fact, I believe exposure is the key to everything. I really do. Most people, most churches never reach their full potential because they've never been exposed to their options. And until you've been exposed to your options, you are destined to think like you've always thought and have what you've always had. And please listen very carefully. Hope Church, you are much more than you think you are. You are much bigger than what I see. What's inside your pastor's heart is, very, is much bigger than what we are presently experiencing here at Hope Church. You got to know that. What's inside their heart is so much bigger. What's inside your heart is so much bigger. I'm not suggesting that what you have is inferior. I'm not. In fact, that's excellent. I'm not suggesting that it's not enough. In fact, I, I'm not suggesting that or not at all. Because I believe what you have and what you're experiencing right now, had a lot of hard work was put into this and a lot of prayer and a lot of responsibility and giving and prayer has gone in to make Hope Church the great church that it is. Amen. Amen. You are presently the sum total of what you've been exposed to. That can be good and that could be limiting. But you are the sum total of what you've been exposed to in your own personal life, in your life as an individual. You are the sum total of what you've been exposed to. You can't rise above any higher than what your exposure is. You can't rise any higher. And maybe you came from a Christian background, maybe no background, maybe uh, in Christ. Maybe you came from a background where there was not a spirit-filled environment. So you've been exposed now to a, a spirit-filled environment, and it changes you. Maybe you didn't hear the Word of God. Maybe it was three points in a poem where you came from. You came here and got the meat of God's Word. That exposure began to change you. That exposure began to challenge you. You went to school, then you went to college and university. Exposure changed you. You went from one job to another job, making minimum wage to now making much more money. That exposure to excellence, that exposure to things changes us. And we don't want to be exposed just to any old thing. We've got to watch what we're exposed to, no doubt. But there's more. That's what I want you to understand. In God, there's, God has more in store for you. God has destined you to other levels and dimensions in him, but you first must be willing to be exposed to those other levels and dimensions. So many people stop. So many people don't want to be exposed. They're comfortable, right? They're comfortable. They don't want to be exposed to something greater. They don't want the responsibility of understanding more of God's word or the responsibility of more of who they are 
in Christ or the responsibility of what happens to their money and God's financial plan for their lives. They'd rather not know. They'd rather be in a place of, of ignorance, not, not stupidity. I'm not calling anybody stupid, but ignorance because the more you know, the more responsible you are, right? The more you know, the more responsible you are. So many good people, many good churches aren't willing to be exposed to something different. They are destined to remain the way they are, stuck and comfortable. Stuck and comfortable. Well, the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. And what that simply means is you can't live anywhere your thoughts cannot connect to. You can't live anywhere where your thoughts do not connect to. You will never rise above the level of illumination and revelation. There's always going to be a ceiling. There's always going to be a ceiling. You're always going to bump up against a ceiling. You want more, but you know what people say? I want to make more money, but you bounce up against that ceiling where I don't know about tithing and giving. There's a ceiling there. So you connect with that. So you connect with praying in the Spirit. So you connect with the power of God's Word. So you connect with confession. So you connect with declaring God's Word. So you connect with certain things. You'll always have a ceiling over you. You long for more. You desire for more. You want to be a greater of freedom and be free as an individual and be healthy in your soul. Until you connect a way to be that way, you're always going to hit that ceiling. And it's frustrating to beat the, ma the max. It's frustrating. And it's overwhelming. And the devil says, yeah, see, this stuff doesn't work. He's there to lie to us. And what is, he's trying to keep you from connecting to another level. Right? He's trying to keep every breakthrough in my life has come with a revelation I did not know. So for me to live another level, I have to have insight, understanding, exposure to that other level. Growth comes through exposure. My wife and I knew, um, you know, we both were, went on missions trips. That's where I met my wife on a missions trip to Monterey, Mexico when I was 17, almost 17, just turned 17. She was 16. Um, and we thought we'd be on the mission field. And, um, but God had other plans, and the mission field has come to IFC. That's why it's called International Family Church. We have over 60 nations at IFC. So we knew that, that there would be this, this diversity about IFC. We knew that the world would come to IFC, and we would in turn send them out to the world again. But I was told 30 years ago that a white man would not be able to pastor a black man. I met with a man who I admired greatly, a pastor of a large church, and he was African-American, and he told me, I've got to tell you something, a white man will never be able to pastor a black man. You know what happened? I didn't, it, even, it didn't even phase me, because I was already exposed to a different way of thinking. That was not a limitation to me, though it could have been. But because I was already exposed to something different, because I was already in my heart, already expanded to something much larger, that I would pastor the world, and that I would, I would pastor those that are African-American, african um, Latino of every sort, Eastern European, on and on it goes, um, South America, on and on the, the, that, that, that we are allowed to do. But you could see that could have been a limitation to me because I admired this man when he said it, when, that when, when I had lunch with him. I was a young pastor. We were only like five years into our church, and I, I, I could have, that could have messed me up, but it was too late. I already said something bigger on the inside of me. Are you with me? Exceptional versus ordinary. There's a big difference between exceptional and ordinary. I believe in the church at large in America, there's an abundance of ordinary. 
It's a bunch, abundance of ordinary, cookie cutter, let's do church like everybody else, right? I mean, there are certain things that are very similar, but, but we need to understand that there's so much ordinary in our churches, so much ordinary in our families. The problem with ordinary is all the pressure that's attached to it to remain that way, to stay ordinary. Do you realize when you go to work and you start working like you start meeting deadlines before they're done, what do, they, what do your coworkers do? Are they happy about that? Or are they saying, what are you making this all look bad? Right? There's pressure to be ordinary everywhere you go. Every the parenting. You know, when you parents want to parent a little bit different and you have a little bit different kind of, 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 of approach to parenting, man, there's, a, there's pressure to say, what are you doing? You know, when a husband, you know, does something nice for their wife and buys flowers or takes her out or does something, and then what other men say, hey, you're making us look bad, buddy, right? There's this pressure to be ordinary. There really is. Ordinary, here's what it means. Lacking special distinction, rank, or status. Commonly encountered average. Is that who you want to be? Lacking special distinction, rank, or status. Commonly encountered average. To be ordinary means you fit in. You, are, you have accepted the status quo, and no one excels over another. Great example of this is years ago when I first went crabbing. I had never gone crabbing before. And, and the friend of mine was as passionate about crabbing. Loved crabs, you know, cooked all the crabs in so many different ways. So the morning that we were going crabbing, you know, I noticed that he had all the equipment, he had bait, he had a net, had a five-gallon uh, bucket, but I noticed there was no lid. I'm thinking, oh, I think he might have forgot the lid, but I'm the rookie, so I kept my mouth shut. I'm thinking, I have no idea what we're doing here. And I thought, well, surely there's no lid. These crabs are going to get out. And so we threw out the bait, and one by one, so we caught the first crab. And he said, pay attention to that crab, because that one crab uh, could get out. So pay attention, make sure that crab doesn't get out. I said, well, how are we going to pay attention when we get more crabs in here? You'll see. As soon as we catch a second crab, you'll understand why we have no lid. As soon as you catch a second crab, the one crab tries to crawl out, but the second crab always grabs him, not allowing him to get out. And that's constant. No one, and so I've, I've learned years ago, I don't want to be that crab. Do you? I don't want to be like crabs. Every time he's trying to somebody to improve, every time somebody's trying to grow, every time somebody's trying to make a, a, a step up and physically and, and emotionally and spiritually, I don't want to be that person that pulls them back down. Ordinary does that. I want to celebrate what they're doing. I want, to, I want to advance them. I want to make sure that they grow in God and grow in their relationship, make all kind of money and be successful and honor God and so forth and so on. People who know they can be exceptional will forfeit exceptional to be ordinary just so they have friends. They do it all the time. We compromise. We compromise at school with peer pressure. We compromise in the neighborhood, or we compromise, you know, you know, uh, taming down our witness for Christ because we don't want somebody else to be turned off. We, we've been friends for years, so now we just have to we blend in and become ordinary because we don't want to lose our friends or be or be categorized as somebody that we might think is a negative. Exceptional people are rare. Because the root word is accept. Everybody accept him. Everybody, everyone except her. 
Few want to be the exception. Everybody has a bad attitude, but except him, right? Except him, they somehow stopped believing, quit, and got offended. But we need to press through and refuse to be offended and not be afraid to be the exception. We who are in Christ should be the exception, right? Your family should be the exception. The way you raise your children should be the exception. The way we live out our walk with God should be the exception. The health that we walk in should be the exception, right? The amount of money we walk in and the blessing and the favor of God should be the exception. I want to be the exception. We wanted our marriage to be the exception. Nobody gets married and decides, I just want to have a mediocre marriage. No, nobody, nobody makes that declaration. But greatness takes work. It takes time. Exceptional means surpassing what is common or usual or expected. Isn't that good? Surpassing what is common or usual or expected. Exceptional takes you to greatness. But that road is definitely a road less traveled. But anyone that God has ever used in a great way, whether in the Bible, whether in history, or even today, they had to choose to travel down the broad road that everybody else walks down and everybody else blends in or do that not so popular narrow road. The problem with ordinary is it's the easiest, most traveled road. Think about it for a minute. Nobody writes about ordinary. Nobody talks about ordinary. Nobody celebrates ordinary. Nobody honors ordinary. Nobody throws a party for ordinary. Nobody remembers ordinary. That's just to blend into a sea of vanilla-ness, if that's a word, right? Just ordinary. Nobody celebrates and has a band and a party for ordinary. Only those that are exceptional. Somebody just recently said that they, somebody, they went to a party where they celebrated somebody's 50th year wedding anniversary. That's exceptional. That somebody made it to 50 years, right? right? And, and these opportunities are around us. The only thing that you have to do to be exceptional, to not be exceptional, is just be ordinary. One of the strongholds of ordinary is indifference. Who cares? Who cares? So what? Whatever. We would let our teenagers and our, our, our 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old children, when they were that way, you know, so easy to say, whatever. No, we don't say whatever in this house. That's indifference. We don't say who cares, whatever, right? See, Proverbs 132 says, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Indifference is a destructive influence in people's lives. The word indifference simply means looking upon something that doesn't matter one way or another. No big deal. That which is regarded with no significance, importance, or value. So we need to understand something that only, only God can only use people who care. If you don't care, God can't use you. What do you care about? Who do you care about? Amen. When you care, God says, I can use you because you care. There's compassion in you. There's something about you that's wonderful. Amen. We must never give up. Amen. In the kingdom of God, there is no excuse for indifference. There is no excuse for lazy. There is no excuse for ordinary because our Jesus, the Christ, was not ordinary at all. 
His road was not ordinary. His life was not ordinary. His suffering was not ordinary. His death was not ordinary. His burial was not ordinary. And thank God his resurrection was not ordinary. Amen. Exceptional. And that same spirit of exceptional that lives in him dwells in me, dwells in you, and quickens our mortal body, quickens our ordinary so that we can become exceptional in Jesus' name. Can I hear a better amen this morning? Amen. amen. I want to challenge you with four things real quickly. Four things I know about exceptional people. Four things I know about exceptional churches. Are you ready? That was the question. Are you ready? All right. Number one, exceptional people have exceptional battles and perseverance. I know that's hard to say amen to that one, but it's true. Say it again. Exceptional people have exceptional battles and perseverance. You cannot be exceptional and have ordinary battles. Ordinary people have ordinary battles. Exceptional people have exceptional battles. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, in the Amplified, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test your quality, as though something strange, unusual, alien to you and your position were befalling you. Right there is half the battle right there. Once you decide to be exceptional, once you decide to walk out of ordinary, once you decide to take that no longer take that broad road and take that narrow road and make a decision to be exceptional. Make a decision to be exceptional. You can't be shocked when battles come your way. The Bible says don't be, but how many of us always are? What? Why is that happening to me? What's going on? And so we don't, we don't recognize and we don't understand the truth about that verse of Scripture. Amen. Inevitably, inevitably, an attack comes, and what happens? We become shocked. Where did this come from? This wasn't expected. One day I was complaining to the Lord. I'm sure nobody here has ever done that. I mean, it's a one-way complaint, right? It's, he doesn't complain back. Um, I'm complaining to the Lord. I don't remember all that was going on except that I was frustrated by how long it was taking believing God for something. I was thinking, why in the world is this taking so long? Why, when I hear soon, soon could be five years. Ever felt that way? Yeah. So I'm complaining to the Lord about why this thing is taking so long, why it's so hard. Come on, this, this doesn't need to be so hard. And I got quiet and heard this in my heart. And I heard the Lord say, the odds have always been against the righteous. The odds will always be against the righteous. Get over it. I was in need of a hug. I didn't need a rebuke. I wanted something nice to be said to me. I didn't want to say, get over it. I mean, he was strong with me. Get over it. You know what I realized? I was making way too much deal about the battles I was going through. I was magnifying the battles instead of magnifying the victories. I was magnifying on my way somewhere, and the storm rose up, and I spent more time on the storm instead of the destination. How many of us do that? God tells us something in his word. We believe it. We say yes and amen. And we're somewhere between yes and amen on this path of where God wants to take us. And we're somewhere between amen and there it is. And it never fails on your way somewhere. The storm rises up, right? Instead of thinking about the destination like the disciples in the boat, they panicked and were afraid, right, and woke the Lord up. Exceptional people don't know how to quit. Quitting is not an option with exceptional people. Doesn't mean you're not tempted to. 
Proverbs 24, 16 um, in the Message Bible says, no matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. Isn't that good? When you're a God-loyal people, when you're the righteousness of God, Micah says, when I fall, what? I shall arise. Something about exceptional people that refuse to quit. Amen. Ordinary people just don't care enough to keep fighting. They don't care enough to keep standing. I'm done. When you're done, you're ordinary. When you're done, you're bland. When you're done, you're, that just shows as a child of God, we don't understand. You can tell you're ordinary by the type of questions you ask during tough times. Ordinary people ask why. Why? Oh, God, why? Why is this happening to me now? Why is this taking place? Why? Ordinary people ask why. Exceptional people ask what. What, are you, what do I need to learn from this? What do I need to do through this? What is your strategy? What is your plan? I know I'm not feeling good. What's your strategy? Not why I'm not feeling good. Why am I in debt? Oh, God, why am I in debt? Why can't I never make it? No. What do I need to do to get out of debt? Ordinary people always ask why. Whiners ask why. I don't know anybody here, so I don't, I don't know anything about your life. That's the beauty. I don't know if you're a whiner, if you're a drama king, a drama queen. I'm not sure. I don't know you. All right? But, but the why is what whiners ask. And the winners and those that are overcomers are the what. What do I need to do? What is your strategy? What am I learning here? What part of my character needs to develop during this time? I hope you're hearing me today. Everyone has the potential of being exceptional. But whether you will actually become exceptional depends upon how you handle your battles, how you handle your temptations, how you handle those lonely, dark seasons, your hurts and your disappointments, right? That's, that's where exceptional really sets the tone and is the dividing line. If you can't handle your temptations, if you can't handle your hurts and offenses, if you can't handle, you know, learning how to forgive somebody, if you can't handle those battles, if you can't handle all those challenges, if you can't handle all those things, you'll never be able to be exceptional. Amen. It's how we handle our battles that really makes it that way. Exceptional doesn't come because you read a book about seven steps to being exceptional. Amen. Right? Or you were born into it, or you had enough money to buy it. No, exceptional comes from persevering through real battles and pain. We've all been there, done that, right? We all have. But it's, well, it's on the other side of that. Amen? The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say, yea, though I buy real estate. Right? We're supposed to what? Go through. Storms were never meant for you to get stuck in. Storms were never meant for you to hang out with. Storms were never meant to cause you to, to be so paralyzed and limited and overwhelmed. That's not what storms are. You're supposed to walk through the storms. Amen. And I'm grateful that the fact that God allows us to help us not to get stuck. Ordinary people can't weather storms because they're more concerned about maintaining their comfort rather than developing their character. Jesus didn't come, suffer, die, and raise again for your comfort zone. He came, he suffered, and died, and rose again so that you would be a person, a man and woman, a young person of character, 
and be who God made you to be. I've never met an exceptional person that wasn't surrounded by thousands of ordinary people. I've heard it said I'm having a hard time soaring like an eagle because I'm surrounded by so many turkeys. Right? So, I, so we're surrounded by ordinary. I can go on and on about this, but I need to move on here today. One last verse, Psalm 6, 56, verse 9. The very day I called for help, the tide of the battle turns. My enemies flee, this is the New Living Translation, the New Living Bible. The very day I called for help, the tide of the battle turns. My enemies flee. The one thing I know, God is for me. Exceptional people know that. God is for me. And as soon as I cry out for help, Psalm 56, 9, the battle turns. The second thing I know about exceptional people, and I won't take near as long with these other three. Number two, exceptional people have exceptional values and convictions. You cannot be an exceptional person and live like everybody else. Living with your boyfriend or girlfriend like so many of your friends do. Taking money under the table like so many of the friends, the co-workers do. Fooling around on the side like other married men and women that you might know do. Sleeping in on Sunday morning and being lazy like so many others. You didn't sleep in today, aren't you glad? Yeah. Amen. You were tempted to. <laughs> Not putting God first with tithes and offerings and, and your time and your talent like 80 to 85% of other believers do. Exceptional people know the difference between a conviction and a preference. Amen. A conviction is something you value so much that it's non-negotiable, it doesn't change over time, and, it, it's, and the more pressure applied to that conviction, the deeper that it goes. If you're taking notes, it's non-negotiable. It doesn't change over time. The more pressure applied, the deeper the conviction becomes. That's how you know it's a conviction. But if it's a preference, very different. Under the right amount of pressure, preferences are negotiable, they change over time, and, they, and you can be compromised. They can be compromised, right? They're negotiable, they do change over time, can be compromised. So think about this. Conviction or preference? Being a follower of Christ, is that a conviction or a preference? This is your church. You love attending and serving. Conviction or preference? Pastor Josh is your pastor. Is he your pastor based on conviction or based on preference? Is he your pastor as long as he doesn't talk about money? Is he your pastor as long as he tells you what you want to hear? Is he your pastor as long as he, you know, he's, he doesn't get into anything controversial or doesn't, you know, test your character or push you in a certain direction to help you grow, Right? Tithing, is it a conviction or a preference? During difficult times, it, it's a preference. As we say, we back off. We don't do that anymore. We used to do that. Now I grew up. Right? Prayer, the move of the Spirit, living a life of honor, your marriage, your family, your children. Is it conviction or preference? That's how we live. Exceptional people realize there are certain things that I have just drawn the line and I will not do. Others may, I may not, is how we raised our kids. Amen. Others may, but we may not. You may not. We're Del Turcos, and we don't live that way. Amen? Your approach to business, how you handle people, how you handle money, your integrity. Is it a preference or a conviction? Exceptional people live by conviction and not just preference. Oh, preference might be 
It's easy. Sometimes I like Italian. Sometimes I like Chinese. It's a preference, right? Sometimes I like contemporary furniture. Sometimes I like traditional furniture. It's easy. It's a preference. It's no big deal. But there are certain parts of your life that are anchor moments, that are destiny-altering moments. That's where we live in conviction. Can I hear an amen today? Amen. So exceptional people have exceptional values and convictions. Number three, exceptional people have exceptional partnerships and teamwork. Exceptional people have exceptional partnerships and teamwork. Partnerships are not the same as friendships. Friendships are created out of similarities, common likes. We all need friendships. We all need friends that like hanging out and going to this restaurant or hanging out at this park or or we enjoy this kind of movie, or we enjoy this kind of mu music. We have similar likes. Friendship is awesome. But partnerships are created out of differences. That's why healthy, fulfilling marriages are hard work. Because when we, what we do is we tend to magnify the differences. And inevitably, we end up defending and fighting for what we want. Me, 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 mine, mine, mine. Right? And that's when marriages end up in the divorce court. And, and what's the most common thing? Irreconcilable differences. We've made differences the issue versus in a marriage, when you, when you let your differences be covered in love, it becomes the super glue that makes your marriage indestructible. Amen. My wife and I are very different. How we approach life I mean, she, she is organized to the max. She has lists for her lists, and her lists drive me crazy. But I'm grateful for her lists because I need a little organization, right? I'm a little bit more spontaneous than she is, sometimes a lot more uh, spontaneous. But, but the point is, when we put our, realize our differences were so valuable and so good, covered in love, respect those differences it created a bond that 40, almost 46 years later, we're having the time of our lives. Amen. Amen. So I believe that with all my heart. In order for Hope Church to be an exceptional church, you need to forge partnerships with people who have different giftings than you do, different backgrounds, different experiences, but are willing to expose and surrender those differences under one heavenly vision that we love and value. Amen. Together is definitely better. You have over 60 different nations. We have a lot of differences in our congregation. A lot of differences. And what we say is we will honor your ethnicity. We'll honor where you're from. But at the end of the day, we build on the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is what is number one. Not, not, your, not where you're from. While we honor where you're from, amen, while we honor your differences, Today, under, under one banner, at the end of the day, it's the kingdom of God that we advance. Amen. Last but not least, the fourth thing I know about exceptional people is exceptional people have an exceptional lifestyle of generosity. They live to give. The true mark of maturity is a generous heart. That came out of my mouth one time. Somebody asked me, Pastor, what, is the, what do you think is the number one mark of maturity, that somebody really begins to grow up in God. And right out of my mouth, without even thinking about it, I said, generosity. When somebody's heart is generous, when somebody realizes they're going to live generous with their, their, their money, their time, their talent, um, and, and, and that's a, such a big mark of generosity. That 
they view their opportunities to give as investments, not obligations. Amen. I have a question for you this morning. What do you want to be known for as a church? You want to be known for your theology? Nothing wrong with that. You want to be known for your music? Nothing wrong with that. You want to be known for how you take care of kids and teens? Nothing wrong with that. You want to be known for your relevant messages? All of that is good. But at the end of the day, your neighbors and your surrounding town will be talking about you. So why not let their conversation be centered around, they are the most generous people I know. God's people should be known as the most generous people I know. I know your pastors are very generous. I know they live a generous life. I know they talk generous, they give generous, they love generous, they're generous about every part of their lives. That's important. Amen. A church that freely gives their time, talent, and treasure, amen, it can be an influence to others and for the cause of Christ. Love John Bunyan as he describes living our lives this way. He said this, you have not lived today until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. That's exceptional. You have not lived today until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. Living generously is a huge deal to God. For God so loved the world that he gave. Generosity is God's M.O. That's, what he, that's what's why you and I are here together today, part of the body of Christ, total strangers, but love each other. Why? Because you're my brother and you're my sister, and the blood of Jesus unites us as family, right? We're going to live together forever for eternity, amen, and I'm grateful for that, but that's part of God's nature, and when you are exceptional, you walk in the nature of God, and everything about you is generous. I love generosity that's unexpected. You didn't expect it. Oh, it's wonderful to receive that gift, but man, so much? Or, or whatever. It's the unexpected that gives people attention of their generosity. Amen. I'm talking about the kind of generosity that makes God famous. My last verse. Are you glad you came to church today? I'm sure glad you did too. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25, the Message Bible says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Exceptional people, their world gets larger and larger. Their world gets more unlimited. There's more favor. There's, there's, you know, and favor is not fair, as they say. The favor of God is amazing. And when you're generous and you're exceptional, your life gets larger and larger. Your reputation, your influence, right? Your marriage, the good example that it is, the way you've raised your children. Our children aren't perfect, and our family's not perfect. Our marriage is not perfect. And we have all the bumps and bruises and pimples and warts to go along with it over the 46 years. Amen. Absolutely. But the, the, the life of the exceptional person gets larger and larger. Ordinary, you get smaller and smaller. You really do. And, and really become very... Very alone. It's not a, it's not a happy life, uh, even though we might put on fronts. So finally, what adjustments do you need to make in your life in order to stop being ordinary and start being exceptional? What comes to your mind as I'm preaching today? What comes to your mind that the Spirit of God has dealt with you? Maybe you've already made a certain decision in realizing, man, I, I need to be more exceptional in my prayer life, or I need to be more exceptional in what I, the words that I say out of my mouth and, 
and the declarations like were said today during praise and worship. What are those things? I, could, I need to be more exceptional when it comes to how I treat my wife or how I treat my husband or how I treat my kids and the words that I say over them or what I do at work, what I do with my unsafe friends and my, my, my reputation in the community or my example at work. What, where, where have I been ordinary? And Lord, forgive me for being ordinary. How many times have we had to repent for just being ordinary, just being lazy, being, being just blending in and not want to exert the energy because life has been so challenging. And, and we, we tend to just kind of cruise a little bit. And I get it because life can be really challenging and we can get exhausted. And it's hard to always be our exceptional to be on. But when it's part of your heart, it's not something we turn on or, or turn on. It's what we live. It's what we do. It's who we are. Amen. What mindsets, what attitudes, what negative, critical, small-minded words that you speak, what unhealthy relationships need to be adjusted in your life so you could be exceptional? You know, we have a phrase at IFC. I said it yesterday to your leaders. When we were a young church, this phrase rose up in my heart, and it became our ministry philosophy. We didn't realize that it would have impacted us all these 40 years later. And it's this, it's not about building a great church, it's about building a great people. I have never tried to build a great church. It was never my priority, it was never my motive to build a great church. What I live and what we would die for is to build a great people. There's greatness in you. There's exceptional in you. There's, 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 there's a whole nother level of excellence in you that God desires to bring out of your life, that sometimes we settle, because it's easy to settle. And God, the message to you today from, 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 a, from a Boston Red Sox fan in Boston, Massachusetts, is simply this, don't settle. There's greatness in this church. There's greatness in you. And when, when people realize they're great, guess what happens? They build a great church. Your pastors are desiring to build a great church. They're desiring to build a healthy church. They're desiring to do something that's wonderful, and it's going to take all of us working together, having a different mindset, looking at this whole church thing and our world and the craziness of our world and, and how, how, how challenging the world has become in just the last couple of years, right? Exceptional has never been more important. Living for Jesus and doing it the right way has never been more important. What are those limitations in your life that you can say, Lord, forgive me. I've lived beneath what I should be as a child of God. And it's time for me to step up as the head of my house, as the heart of my house, as a child of God, as a single young adult, as a teenager, as, a, as an adolescent. It's my turn to step up and be all that God has called me to be. Did you learn something today? Come on, stand to your feet with me, please. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.